0: Hello there besties! I hope you all are having a great day. My name is Sarah and welcome back to another episode of My Roman Empires. I am so happy that you are here. Happy New Year! Happy 2024! This is the first episode of 2024 and I am so excited to see everything that we all accomplish in this new year and I'm really excited for everything that I have planned for the podcast I believe I hinted at this in a previous episode, but if you're not aware, I did mention and finally confirm that I am going to be ending season one of My Roman Empires at the end of February, and then I am taking the entire month of March off as a break. I am going to be going on vacation to Myrtle Beach for over a week. And during that time, I am not thinking about anything podcast or social media or my other job. I am relaxing on the beach with my husband and having a good time. Those are my plans. For that vacation. And then when I get back from the vacation, I am going to be working on a rebrand, a marketing strategy, really everything behind the scenes for season two of the podcast. I'm really excited. We have lots of big changes coming. This first season has been really fun and kind of was just me jumping the gun and just going at something that was a goal of mine without really knowing a lot and just kind of figuring it out. And through these episodes, we've had so much fun. And I'm really proud of the episodes that I put out so far and the little community that I've built. But now I have an even better understanding of exactly how I want to approach the podcast and what I want to include. And All that fun stuff. So I'm looking forward to taking some time off and really planning things through, researching, getting some good, solid, like, I don't know, maybe some equipment upgrades, some plans. I think I'm going to write scripts and plan out multiple episodes. I will say one thing that is not changing is I am going to be a solo host, While I am very open to the idea of having guests, and I believe I'm going to have my first guest very early on in season two, I want to have this podcast as just hosted by me, Um, so I hope that's okay, and that is one change you can expect to not happen, literally ever, if I get my way. I unfortunately went out of order on my script, um, because I just got to talk in, and I was just so excited to share. You know, I'm really looking forward to this podcast and the podcast rebrand in 2024. That's one of my big major plans right now. I also have a goal of releasing 50 podcast episodes in 2024. So. There are 52 weeks in a year, as as far as I'm aware. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and I'll sound like a real big idiot if I am wrong. But that means I would have two weeks off that I don't have to worry about. I can use them whenever I want. Now, I did say I was taking the entire month of March off. So somewhere along the line this year, I am going to have weeks where I release two episodes. If you remember in the very very beginning before I had a single clue what it was like to balance a podcast with everything else I'm doing in social media and a full-time job and just being a person and the holidays, (laughs) I said I wanted to do two episodes a week. And I actually did that for like two weeks and it was fun, but it was way too chaotic and just not sustainable. It would have burnt me out like that. At some point this year, I hope that my plate is a little bit lighter and I know it will. And I can sprinkle in some bonus episodes to help us get and maybe even exceed that goal of 50 episodes for 2024. That would be so amazing. I do hope you all had a very happy New Year's Eve. I wanted to do a little bit of a story time before we get into the main focus of the episode and just talk a little bit about the New Year's Eve that I had. So Matt and I decided that we were going to go with his dad and stepmom to this ticketed New Year's Eve event okay we paid $80 a person and $80 a person got you in at like 6 30 p.m to 12 30 a.m so like six hours of entertainment music they would have some games they would have like party favors buffet style food and an open bar I was like damn that's that's a pretty good deal I'm in. So we got to like dress up. I wore this really cute gold dress that I am freaking obsessed with. I loved it so much. We got there and I had a feeling the vibe was going to be older. I knew that based on what my father-in-law and his wife had shared. They'd gone for many years. Just like the vibe and the way they described it. You know, I was expecting older people. It was probably... 75% people over 45. And then the other 25% were primarily people in their 30s. There definitely was not anyone younger than 25. And Matt is 25. I'm 26. So we were on the younger end, which I do not really care about because I don't really want to hang out with obnoxious 21-year-olds. That was kind of my thought. Trust me. I have gone to bars with 21-year-olds. And they are awful. How did anyone put up with me when I was twenty-one years old? <laughs> but what I wasn't expecting was for these people in their like mid-fifties to be worse and to be more igno- annoying. I don't really like go super hard when I drink anymore. I just, I don't like how I react to alcohol, both mentally and physically. Alcohol is like really hard on my stomach. I also just don't like the taste of alcohol that much. I don't like being drunk and being stupid and getting into fights with my husband. Like it's, it's unnecessary. And I know I'm the problem when I drink. So I don't get super drunk. I like to say uh, like a solid 6.5 out of 10 on the drunk scale little bit over buzzed just having a good time that is what has a good night and I think that I did a pretty good job at that I started to get a little little bit crossing over and Matt was like you're cut off after this drink and I was like oh yeah I know like I'm done like I got two white claws at the same time for a reason I'm done (laughs) all that aside these people could not handle their liquor were being obnoxious in the buffet line there was one man who was clearly like blacked out at like 7 p.m like they had not even served dinner yet and he was already up and like putting his hand behind his head and like shaking his butt and like standing on chairs and it was just like ridiculous and I was like oh my gosh the music they played was awful um I don't think they played a single song that came out after like 2012 there were a few country songs at the beginning unfortunately they did play a morgan wallen song which was disgusting um and they played the song little boo thing that's really popular on tiktok but otherwise it was all older music and most of it was like 70s 80s vibes everything was a weird random ass remix i didn't get it they even managed to do like a very like boomer coded new year's eve ball drop just like the video that they picked off of i I assume like youtube to play was just like so like something only like a 55 year old man would enjoy <laughs> like the editing style and the music and the things they were saying and even like the text on the screen was giving very much so at new year's eve ball drop for a 55 year old man um so Matt and I were just kind of over it, over the vibes. But like I said, like they had open bar and I drank Tito's and White Claw all night long. And I got a good fun level of drunk. I had some late night la- nachos. You best believe I had my fair share of meat and cheese. Um, they had a full ass table of just meat and cheese and crackers. And I ate so much of it. You all know I love my little meat and cheese plates. And Matt and I just kind of like hung out at the table a lot. We did dance a little bit. Um, and we just kind of like snuggled up and had a good time. And yeah, yeah. Would we go again? No. Probably like in 20 years. If we live up there and we have nothing better to do. Sure. I'll pay, you know, it'll probably be a hundred bucks at that point, if not more. Um, I'll pay that. Year's version of $80 to get a buffet that has steak and pork and an open bar with solid liquor like yeah why not but they better update the music um and it better still be like the general vibe of people our age because maybe then it will be like 2000s and 2010s music and I will thrive but I just don't get I'll move on from this story and we'll get into the main subject of today's episode in just a second. I just don't get how it can be New Year's Eve and you will not play almost a single song from that year. Like, shouldn't you be playing like the top hits of the year to celebrate the past year? I feel like even the people in their 50s could get down to at least a few of today's top hits sprinkled in. They also played the censor version. Like they wouldn't even say the word ass. And the woman who was in charge of it was like, we will not curse in a government building. She literally said that. They also turned the lights on at 10.30 p.m. to take a break and play a game. My mother-in-law said that we were essentially at New Year's Eve at the retirement home. <laughs> and a little bit, a <laughs> little bit. Um... It's a lovely event. It was just not for us. Drinks were good. Food was good. Had fun with my husband. Bite is not something that someone in their mid-twenties would absolutely die for on New Year's Eve. That's your summary if you just scooted past all my rambling there. Okay. Now, this is why I had talk about New Year's Eve first, before I started talking about the rebrands, because... That will help me transition into our next topic. The next thing that I want to talk about is I am obviously thinking about the podcast structure and everything that I kind of want to tweak a little bit with the rela- the rebrand, the relaunch, whatever you want to call it, season two. And one thing that I want to do is have a very solid format with different segments that you can expect each week, because pretty much every podcast that I listen to regularly has a segment. Maybe it's like a big sis advice segment, or it's something related to pop culture. I know one podcast I listen to talks about like, what's been trending on Twitter lately, like what are all the Twitter girls talking about? Um, Another one that I really like and that I want to incorporate in the podcast is A Song of the Week. And I think that is very fitting for 2024, too, because so far, and it is January 3rd, so (laughs) we'd be only doing it twice. Um, I have been adding one song per day to a playlist. And then at the end of the year, I will have 366 songs to listen to that describe the year I just think that's so cool and you all know I love music and I love giving song suggestions I love sharing songs that I love and I thought that that would be really fun to share at the end of the year I think I also might share like weekly updates on TikTok if anyone's interested. And then on the actual podcast, we could maybe talk about at least one, maybe some weeks I will talk about all seven of the songs from the past week that I put on the playlist and define one as the song of the week. I'm really just going to kind of mix it up with how I choose the songs that I add each day. Maybe it's like the first day when I added New Year's Day by Taylor Swift and it's a seasonally appropriate song maybe it's a song that comes on when Matt and I are in the car and like I do a silly little dance to it maybe it's a song where the lyrics are really personally resonating with how I'm feeling that day maybe it's just a fun little song that I used to love as a kid and I randomly thought about it and I was like Holy shit, that song is so good. I don't know. It's going to be all over the place, but I'm going to pick out one random song a day and be like, this is my song for the day. And then from there, we will pick out a song of the week and it will be featured in the podcast episode. I'm not going to include clips because copyright and I just, I don't want to play around with that, but I will talk about the song. So since we're just starting out the playlist I'm only three days in. Um, I thought that I would just pick a song kind of out of any song. It doesn't have to be on that playlist to have for the song of the week. And the song that I chose is the last song I listened to right before I started recording, actually. And it is called Fix You two by Megan Maroney featuring Cameron Merlot. I don't know, Cameron Merlot. And I hope I'm saying his name correctly that well. But I absolutely love Megan Maroney. She is a country singer and has a lot of really, really good love songs. Her album Lucky is amazing. She definitely gives me like country Taylor Swift in 2023 vibes. Like if Taylor Swift would have stayed just a country artist, I think her vibe in 2024 would be very similar to Megan Maroney. And when I mean a country artist, I mean like the mainstream, like appealing to Nashville crowd. I love Megan. I think she's amazing. And I'm really excited to see where 2024 takes her in her career. The song Fix You Too is a duet that was featured on the deluxe version of her, of her album, Lucky and this song essentially has a couple (laughs) that are going through a hard time in their relationship, and the woman is saying, you know, everything is going wrong. There's so much, like, in my house and in my life that I need to get figured out. I can't focus on fixing you at the same time for example i will just read the first verse to you all right now she says my check engine lights been on for a couple of weeks the whole kitchen shakes when i run that washing machine by the looks of the ceiling there's rain getting in through the roof i don't want to have to fix you too i i love i love this song so much because it's so incredibly relatable to be in a relationship and, you know, to to want to be there to support the person you are with, but to also know that, like, it is not your job to make them into the perfect partner. It is not your job to magically... Cure every single thing that they are dealing with mentally or physically. Like, yes, you should be supportive. You should be there for them. You should be helping them out 100%. But it is not your job to fix them. And you got yourself to focus on. It is not your job. And you are not going to be able to fix them too. The chorus, I love a lot too. It says, maybe we could be something somewhere down the road. And I know that a younger me couldn't sit here now and tell those green eyes no, but you're a fixer-upper if there ever was. And I need some work myself to tell you the truth. I don't want to have to fix you too. I I love, I love, because it, it talks about, again, just incredibly relatable to my dating experience in life. And past relationships that I've had, it talks about this growth in the chorus of, you know, when I was younger, when I was more naive, when I was more just like, willing to do literally anything and go above and beyond in my relationship to just make it work and make, make this person who is flawed and isn't ready for you, perfect. And I believe in that notion of, you know, this is the right person for me. I just gotta, I just gotta change this and that. And I I can change him. I can change him. Like believing in that. And it, the core shows this growth of, you know, actually I can't, and I'm not going to, if I meet you 10 years from now and you've worked out your issues and we're more compatible and I haven't found somebody else, then yeah, I'm open to it. I think you are very attractive. I like you. But I need to work on me. I need to work on what's going on in my life. I can revisit our relationship later on if it makes sense. It's just, that's so, so relatable. And I hope that in 2024, all of you carry this energy into your relationship. Be there for your partners. Be there for the people you're dating. Be supportive. Be kind. Be a good fucking person. That's just kind of obvious. (laughs) but at the same time I hope you put yourself first and I hope you don't give too much into fixing somebody else that should really be working on fixing themselves that is the song of the week now we're going to take a real quick break and we are finally (laughs) going to get into the main topic of discussion today everything is a trauma response will be right back. All right, besties. My Roman Empire for this week is something that I have been thinking about a lot lately. And it is that so much of my personality is a trauma response to how I was treated in the past, particularly in like my childhood and my early 20s which I would say were extremely more traumatic than where I am now at almost 27. I was just in so many relationships whether it was family whether it was friendships whether it was hookups whether it was romantic like long-term relationships situationships whatever. I just have had a lot of people around me that kind of fucked me up that kind of took advantage of me treated me poorly for really no reason, made fun of me. I was literally bullied by my own family and my mom's boyfriend would encourage that my siblings bully me and would make fun of me and call me names. And my mom would just sit there and laugh along with it. Like, I just have this history of being tore down. And when I think about who I am and who I have been for the last few years and kind of my my approach to life and my framework and just everything I'm like damn this is this is a direct result of trying to be so opposite of what I was around as a child this is a direct result of trying to be so opposite of how this particular person treated me And that's not to say that I wouldn't, you know, still have these habits, or still be this way or still have these beliefs if this stuff didn't happen to me. Like, even without the trauma, I still think, for example, we're going to talk about like my political beliefs. I still think I would be a very progressive, very inclusive person, even if I wasn't raised in a very conservative strict religious household i still think that's just in my core of what i believe but i also recognize that i i think it really spawned on me and really became what it was when it did as a direct trauma response to be completely blunt I'm going to talk about three specific things Uh, again I'm trying to be more organized I'm trying to balance the ranting and the rambling with like good structure so it's not just chaos vibes for an hour and 15 minutes I'm going to talk about three different specific examples of things that I do that I believe that I think are direct trauma responses the first is very recent very timely for me and that is cleaning lately I have been obsessed with cleaning like I will just get off work and eat dinner and then I'll sit for maybe 20 minutes and then I will just spend the whole evening just clean 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 clean, clean everywhere like doing every little task and don't get me wrong our house is still very cluttered and very chaotic but this time next week that will not be the case um Because we have an inspection on the eighth. The city that I live in makes rentals get inspected every so often, I guess. We've lived here for a like almost two years, a year and a half-ish, and they haven't come yet, but they're coming on the eighth. So my guess is it's either new or it's been so many years, so they have to come back. Anyways, they're doing an inspection and let's just say our house is a mess. 2023 was not a good year mentally. We'll just say that and the house kind of just, just fell apart. And so I've been, you know, doing lots and lots of projects to get things clean, get things organized, get things put in their home, get things finally fucking decorated because we have decided unless they like raise our rent or like really, really rude to us or something that we're going to stay where we're living for another year. So I want to like actually decorate and actually put stuff up and actually make this feel like a home and all that. (laughs) Um, so I've just been obsessed with cleaning and I know that it is motivated by this inspection. But at the same time, I think back to like me living, even in my first apartment, even in my dorm rooms in college, I always had this thought in the back of my mind, like a dirty cluttered space is bad. And like, I need to clean. I don't clean enough. I need to keep up with it a little bit of some like obsessive behaviors around cleaning. And I know how that is a trauma response. And that is because I grew up in a hoarder house. I grew up in a house that was not well-maintained. My mom struggles with mental and physical health. I will give her that. My mom was a single mom with kids. But at the same time, I do think there are bare necessities for a house to be like safe and like appropriate to develop and live in as a child. And that was not the case in the house I lived in. There were so many animals, like feral cats, that my mom would just let in. There were boxes in the house full of stuff from when we moved. When I was in like seventh grade that were still in those boxes the last time I visited in 2019. The house, or I'm sorry, it was a trailer. I called it a house, but it was a trailer. Like the floorboards were literally broken in in some places. And my mom's boyfriend would just put like a piece of board over it. And I remember one time in particular, like I stepped and the floorboard broke on me and somehow it was my fault and I got in trouble for it. And I, it just was like, it finally broke through after being kind of broken. I just happened to be the unlucky one who did it. My mom didn't clean a lot. You know, she had all these cats with disgusting cat litter boxes She had, you know, moldy shower curtain, you know, don't know the last time she cleaned the toilet. This is not to shit on my mom or anyone who lived in those kinds of houses. As I said, my mom had mental and physical health problems. My mom was a single mom. To be fair, yes, there was more that my brother and I could have done. As young, Especially as young adults when I was in college. And if I could go back now with the fully developed brain that I have now, I would have helped out more. But at the same time, when you're a child, it's not your responsibility to clean your house for your mom. It's not your responsibility to do the dishes, to make sure that you don't have a moldy shower curtain, to make sure that the cat litter boxes are getting changed, to make sure that your yard is getting mowed. Like I know that if you have assigned chores, that's a little bit different. But my mom never assigned us chores. Never said, okay, this week, Sarah, you're gonna help with the dishes, or anything like that, and then she would. Every so often be like, I'm the only one who does anything in this house. That was a very much so repeated mantra by her. And then my grandma as well at my grandma's house, which my grandma's house was clean. There was a little bit of like hoarding food, especially, but she had like an organized pantry. Her house was well maintained, but she also stayed at home and her work was caretaking for her mom. And caretaking for myself and my siblings. My mom never assigned us chores. And then would get mad when we just didn't uh, instinctively at 14 years old. Just start cleaning for her. And then she would complain when we did something. One time when I was in like high school, I was probably 16 or 17. I stayed home on like a Sunday by myself. It, and while my mom was working, I washed dishes for her. And we didn't have a dishwasher, we had to hand wash everything and then dry it on our beach towels, essentially that we also used to clean off after a shower. So I I went through and I like hand washed everything for her and I had it sitting for her and all she did was complain to my grandma right in front of me about how it wasn't actually clean and she was going to have to redo, redo it. Like, I don't think I ever got a thank you. It just immediately was, oh, well, that's still dirty. I'm going to have to go through and rewash these. could do it better next time okay you've never taught me how to wash a dish you've never shown me how to wash a dish you've never asked me if i want to help same thing with cooking for so long i've said like i'm a bad cook i don't cook i've been afraid to cook because all i heard growing up from my mom was i can't cook i can't cook i can't cook and i mean she couldn't (laughs) but At the same time, like she never offered for like us to do something together for her to show me for me to try something on my own. So I was so afraid to cook. And finally, after years of being with my husband who loves to cook and has cooked since he was a child, because that is something that they taught. Finally, after years, I'm starting to feel comfortable and starting to feel confident and starting to feel like, okay, I'm inept enough To cook something. Is it going to be this like award winning meal? Not necessarily. But it's going to be edible. It'll actually probably be pretty good. All this to say. I feel like I am so. Anti clutter. Because that's all I had growing up. And I'm starting to see it. Within myself. There are very specific things that I hoard. I hoard makeup. Beauty stuff. I hoard clothes. I started to hoard candles a little bit, but I finally went through and cleaned out those. I have been going through as we've been preparing for this inspection and I've been getting rid of clothes. I've been like telling people, Hey, you can take these for free if you want them. Or if the people that said they're interested, don't take them, then I'm going to donate it to a women's shelter or last resort, a Goodwill. I just, I don't need all these clothes. I'm not wearing all these clothes as I, my body is changing. I am wearing different sizes. And so some clothes is too big. Some clothes is too small. Some clothes I've had for four years and I've only worn twice. Like some clothes I have are brand new with tags and I've never worn. And like some of this has been like expedited through like content creation and Out of all the brands I've worked with, I primarily work with fashion brands and show off plus size clothing. And some of that is way too big for me now because I got it before I lost almost 30 pounds. Um, And even so, even the ones that fit me, it's like I'm getting them at a faster rate than I typically would get clothes. And I'm used to, you know, being a kid and having the same shirt for 10 plus years and just having to squeeze into it and like holding on to any clothing item that you ever have for as long as ever. And watching my mom wear the same like rusty and trusty like t-shirts that she got at Goodwill when I was 12 years old. Like I'm used to that. And so that's why I hoard on to it. And so it's been such like a cycle breaking moment. Such a proud moment for myself and my personal growth to be able to go through and just toss it. I had makeup that I have not used since college that I was still holding on to. Like, I had like ColourPop specifically, which was my favorite makeup brand in college. These like really, really bright ass highlighters that my best friend Ashley and I used to pour all over our faces before we would go out to the bar. Like, tvt they're so nostalgic and that's part of the reason why i've held on to them but i'm never going to use them again and it would be harmful if i did and it's just taking up space so goodbye in the garbage you go i can make a funny video to memorialize you that's all i need to do but this obsession with cleaning and this like wanting to just have a neat minimalist well decorated cohesive home that I'm like obsessed with right now and is one of my like goals even past the inspection to keep maintaining and improving our home life is a big goal for me I think I've really leaned into that and taken pride and enjoyment and cleaning as a response to like break that cycle and not have a dirty home and you know my kind of thought is you know I'm getting older. I'm closer and closer to 30. I had fun in my early twenties and my mid twenties. And I think it's totally okay. If you know, I had a chaotic mismatched furniture or like messy house and there's nothing wrong with having messy houses. I just want to make sure that I stop the cycle and don't lean into hoarding tendencies or not cleaning tendencies that I saw in my mother when I have children, because I remember when I was a younger kid, our house was pretty clean. I remember being pretty clean. Like I said, my mom had a a shed or a storage unit, and that's where all her hoarding stuff was. Our house was not full of stuff. And then we moved. My mom got rid of the storage unit. She didn't get rid of the shit, and it sat in boxes for 15 years. She lives somewhere else now, a bigger house. I hope the stuff's not in boxes anymore, but I don't know. I just, I don't want that to happen. And that is because of trauma. The next two are a bit quicker. Um, The first is my political beliefs. So as I've shared before, I was raised like pretty conservative, um, very religious, and that's not me anymore. Like, I'm agnostic. I am incredibly progressive, left leaning. Um, I support the LGBT plus community. Black Lives Matter. You know, like, I'm I'm progressive. Okay, <laughs> not the way my family was, to say the least. My family was a bit racist and a bit homophobic. Um, you know. Yeah, my grandma used to say that she would disown any of us if we ever, quote unquote, turned gay. She used to say that we weren't allowed to, like, have gay friends or associate with gay people. And she would always follow that up by saying, oh, but be nice to them, though. Like, you're not going to be mean. You shouldn't be mean to anybody. And she would say the same about race, too. You shouldn't be mean to anybody, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their sexuality, but don't associate with them. She would make comments about people of color like that, too. Um, for example, she was very anti, like, interracial dating. And I have a lot of tea I could spell about that, but I'm just, I'm not. That's not my story to tell. Um, and said some pretty inappropriate things about interracial dating. But at the same time, she was like, but don't be mean, you know, to, to people of color. You can be friends with them, but don't date them. And it was never like based in religion because I would ask, I'd be like, where in the Bible does it say that? Because she would always pull out the Bible when it came to like her homophobia. And she would say, Oh, it doesn't. It's just my personal opinion. Okay. So your personal opinion is racism. Got it. Um, no, (laughs) we're not doing that. And my whole life I've been like, no, like, that's not right. Like you should not say I'm not going to date somebody because they're not the same race as me. Like, what? You should not be telling your kids, your grandkids, that they can't date someone who's a different race than them. Like, point blank, period. You should be more concerned about the quality of their character, not the color of their skin. And I feel like I've just really leaned into, like, my advocacy um, for minorities, people of color, LGBTQ plus people, even more so the older I get. One, I think I always would have been an ally. I just think that's how I am and a supporter and an advocate. But I also think like hearing my own family and remembering things that people that I grew up very, very close to believe make me lean so heavily into it because I so heavily disagree. And I just think it's so ridiculous and it just infuriates me. And I think that lights the little spark that is like encouraging me to stand up even more and more and to continue to advocate for these groups because it's 2024 like we have all this advancement and science and technology all of these conveniences and luxuries in our life but racism and homophobia still run rampant through our country and for why like we all should be educated enough to know that religion is not an excuse for homophobia. Nothing is an excuse for homophobia. Nothing is an excuse for racism. Don't even try to use religion as an excuse for your racism. Like, come come on. And it, <laughs> thinking that there are people out there that still act like that in the year 2024 is motivation to make me lean even more into my progressive views and my advocacy for marginalized groups. The last one that I wanted to talk about is more of like a professional career work-based trauma response. I know I've talked about working at McDonald's in the past and how the manager that was there when... I broke my nose like the last manager they have. I know she's not there anymore. She did not last long because she was not good. She was just awful. She was such a mean, mean spirited person. Genuinely one of the, like, at the core meanest people I've ever met. She tried to run that place like an iron ship, and let me tell you, it was still a hot fucking mess, and she was just mean. She And other bosses that I've had in the past and other people I've worked with and just a feeling of like being underappreciated, being undervalued, feeling like my voice is not heard professionally that I have felt in the past, feeling like, you know, I have a micromanager boss that I felt in the past. I do not feel that currently. I'm not saying that at all. I think that has all really played very heavily into this professional value of compassion that I have. I always talk in job interviews and, you know, professional development conversations and things like that about the importance of compassion and about the importance of remembering that your coworkers are literal human beings. They so are not robots. They are not going to be perfect. They are not going to be able to instantly do everything for you. Okay, they are flawed, they are learning, they are growing. And I think that I feel that way because very early on in my career, including working at McDonald's, because that was the first job I ever had, I was just treated so poorly. And I know there are so many managers out there that are just so rude and just expect so much out of their employees. And, you know, employee recognition is a half slice of pizza and a pair of fuzzy socks and a 1% raise, like... I know there are places out there like that. And that makes me sad because because fuck capitalism. That's why. Um, but also because, you know, the people that help are helping you do your job. I'll use like McDonald's as the example. Okay, store manager. You cannot do your job successfully if your, your crew members aren't doing their job successfully. So instead of yelling at your crew members and cussing them out for simply going faster or for not going fast enough. Like you couldn't win. If you were going too fast, you were making too many messes and too many mistakes. But if you were going too slow, you weren't fast enough and you had to get the fuck out of there now and get thrown on fries. Literally what had been told to me before in the face over freaking hamburgers and milkshakes. (laughs) You can't win you can't win. And the thing is to be a store manager, like you really should be teaching your employees. You should be training them well. You should be making sure they are following the policies and the procedures to a T. You should be approachable so they feel comfortable asking you questions or getting clarification or learning. You should instill a growth mindset. You should celebrate what they are good at. And you should allow people to do what they are good at and what they enjoy the most. I know like if every single person enjoys working and taking orders in the back or taking cash in the back, like obviously they can't all do that, but find your person that's really good at it and let them do it for a while and then kind of switch out, let somebody else do it. Like lean into the strengths help people learn, help people grow and just treat them like a human being. You can say, come on guys, let's hustle. Let's go faster. Come on, you got this. I believe in you. You can do this. Let's go. Come on, switch spots. Like you're stronger back there. You can say all that in a respectful way while treating your workers like a human. And I think so many managers in those sort of like food service retail worlds don't think like that and I just think it's so sad I know it's present in corporate as well like asking so much out of the lowest paid employee and it's still like never good enough and they're out there busting their ass and even when they do like exceed expectations it's just like a a half clap and then the goal is raised even higher I hate that I hate that. And I can't wait for more people like later millennials, even some older millennials, really, and older Gen Z to start taking management positions in corporate offices and seeing how they run their teams and what they focus on in the team development. Because my guess if it's a manager who's had anything like the professional experiences I have, they're going to foster a team built on values like compassion values, like relationship building values, like transparency stuff that I think at its core is so necessary in order for a team to truly be its best. And I think that not to use the term trauma lightly, but me feeling these ways is all a trauma response because it's the exact opposite of what I've had in, in past jobs. Not all my past jobs, just some. I mentioned McDonald's as another. I'm not going to call every single one of them out because it doesn't feel appropriate. But yeah, that's all I got for my Roman Empires this week. I hope you all enjoyed This has been my Roman empire of everything is a trauma response because every time I catch myself doing something, I'm like, wait, why am I doing this? And I take a step back and I'm like, oh, yeah, because I had that boss at McDonald's. that was a bitch to me for no fucking reason. And so now I'm going to be like this, like, kind, compassionate pushover (laughs) because it's always extremes with me. You know how it is. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, I would love if you could follow along. Be sure to check out my Roman Empires podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us. Leave us a five-star review and a rating. And then be sure to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram and TikTok. My username is XOXO Sarah 515. There are also two descriptions in the description box. Come join our Discord. Hang out with us. And also let me know what your Roman Empire is. I've been pushing this every week and I literally only have two submissions. You guys. Come on. I want to do this episode before the end of the season. Tell me your Roman Empire. I love you all. I believe in you. And I know you're going to have the best 2024 ever. Have a good day. Bye.